Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, we have a special mini-series just for you. We're going through the entire first season of King of the Hill, and you can only hear it if you're a $5 and up patron at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We're giving the Talking Simpsons treatment to all 13 episodes of King of the Hill's first season, and if you want a free sample, you'll find the first episode available for free in the Talking Simpsons feed. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. It's the only place you'll find the first season of Talk King of the Hill. Made you go click, 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 click. It's real easy, man. Cartoons from present in the past. Every week will be an animated bash. Yeah. What a cartoon! What a cartoon! Maybe a short but mostly shows. We'll talk, we'll analyze, exploring as we go. What a cartoon! What a cartoon! What a cartoon! Hello, everybody, and welcome to What a Cartoon, a heartbreaking work of average to moderate genius. I'm your host, Twinkletown University graduate Bob Mackey, and this is an audio exploration of every cartoon ever who is here with me today. Henry Gilbert and I took two turkeys before this podcast did nothing. Sure took three. And today's episode is the disenchantment episode in her own right. That's a good start, but if you want to be a real writer, you're going to need to procrastinate a lot more. So before we start, I want to say hello to all you Talking Simpsons listeners. We dropped this into your feed as an act of sabotage. <laughs> or sabotage. Sabotage, as Shatner would say. Just to let you know, we have another podcast you might like to listen to. Uh, it's What a Cartoon, of course. You might have heard that up front. And we talk about a different cartoon from a different series every week. And this is a little sample of it because it's Simpsons related. It's our obligation and duty <laughs> to talk about all Simpsons related projects. Yeah, we uh, did one for Disenchantment Season 1, which I think you folks heard last year. Both What a Cartoon and Talking simpsons and now it's time for uh well season one part two i was gonna say season two but the naming system of this is very I complicated don't like the parts especially yeah. when they're a year apart it's just it's a new season to me but i think that's uh, netflix avoiding some sort of legal red tape or <laughs> economical obligation oh, you know what you're so right about that they, they negotiate 20 they only have to negotiate one season of 20 episodes then release it as two seasons basically yeah you do one year of work that they parse out over two seasons mm-hmm. or parcel out rather but yeah what a cartoon is free. You can find it where you find Talking Simpsons and other podcasts, and of course at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. But this is a just a small taste of a Simpsons-related episode of What a Cartoon landing in your podcast machine right now. And uh, yeah, it's been 13 whole months since we last talked about Disenchantment. I, I thought it was going to be year to year, but they decided like they did August before, and now they did September this time. My theory is it's because BoJack Horseman is normally their September show, but now it's going to have its final season debut in october so i didn't know if there was a rhyme or reason to netflix because i just assume everyone watches the season in the weekend it comes out pretty much which is why it comes out on friday right yeah yeah Yeah. basically every netflix show comes out on friday to give you the whole weekend and if it's a big netflix show they put it out over a holiday weekend like i believe it was memorial day weekend when arrested development season four debuted on netflix so then everybody could uh be confused all at once watching that overly complicated uh, thing i'm really glad disney plus is breaking up the binge model because i like 
having everything at once. I love our overlords. I like having everything at once, the option of that, but it's also ruined the way we talk about television. Yeah. No one could, you know, talk about things incrementally. It's always got to be like, you have to be up to date. You have to have watched the whole season. And some of us don't have uh, five hours free immediately when a thing drops. Well, that's your fault. Yeah. I, uh, I'm living like incorrectly. <laughs> I I was, uh, I rewatched that Birthday Boy skit uh, a couple weeks oh, ago. There's too many shows? Yeah, too many yeah. shows, which it's about TiVo and how there's too many shows. It doesn't even take into account mm. streaming services for the too many shows, which, of course, that uh, sketch ends with Bob Odenkirk telling you that you do have to watch every show, so get to it. <laughs> it's uh, our it's our job as part of society. But uh, yeah, I do think the the streaming model and that uh, will come into my critiques of this season as well. Yes. But I do think the streaming model has kind of gone too far, or it's just like it's. I understand how the machine of Netflix works. That like when Netflix and it's just kind of grown into this beast you can't keep up with. Is that Netflix got its real start because prestige TV like Sopranos and. Uh, uh, Six Feet Under and Mad Men, those were super successful. And they were seeing that everybody was getting the DVDs at home and just binging all of those and sending them back. And when Netflix got into the streaming world, they saw how much TV was being watched way more than movies, even though they're called flicks, Netflix, mm. but it was television shows. So then they start making their own original shows and they thought, well, we can't make people wait every week. They just want to watch the whole season once. So when they release House of Cards as their, one of their first original big originals are just like just watch it all once just fucking do it and so then as netflix as the industry leader everybody had to copy that so every show has to dump them all at once and i think with shows like sopranos or breaking bad things that are built for cliffhangers and constant moving forward and just this like breathless motion forward it works for those kind of dramas more than it does for a comedy yeah. or other genres not every show is suited for that format and i think it puts obligations on some creators that make the shows worse yeah yeah i and i i think that people i hope are learning that there's a different way to watch tv or that they can go back to it or that you can just like freaking wait we're not part of the water cooler office conversation anymore like i i really time for the complaint about the old job bit of the podcast <laughs> but i'll get I, my popcorn i really didn't like the feeling of obligation i had there uh, at our old job of well you had to have watched game of thrones don't you have an it's opinion like, on the newest one uh no i was playing this 50 hour video game i have to write about <laughs> and, uh and yeah all those shows whenever they come out it just feels like uh you gotta be part of the conversation and especially for as big of twitter posters as we are it also is like you feel this constant urge to be part of a conversation and have a take you gotta have a take which uh, i had a much better experience with comedy this uh, last month of where i decided i'd finally now watch the first season of the what we do in shadows show mm. which is really really funny big thumbs up matt barry who's on disenchantment is one of the leads in that show and he's so funny really good things about it uh but what was awesome was it had aired on fx months ago and so i felt no urge to watch all of it and i just well, me and my husband were just watched it once a night at our own pace which was which was really fun 
But uh, meanwhile, with Disenchantment Part 2, though, I felt the same kind of urge of like, I got to next one. Let's see the next one. Let's yeah. do it. Let's you, do it. You don't want to be spoiled. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, so uh, we love Mystery Science Theater 3000. And I think a good example oh, of forcing a story or forcing this sort of narrative on something that doesn't need it is the Sci-Fi Channel episodes where the Sci-Fi Channel was like, uh, you need a story. Mm-hmm. You need cliffhangers. And they just sort of shrugged like, this is not what our show is. But Sci-Fi is like, oh, you're a weekly show. Well, people need to want to tune in the next week, mm-hmm. even though they didn't understand the format. So I feel like the same sort of lessons aren't being learned here that weren't learned like 20 years ago with Mystery Science Theater on Sci-Fi Channel. Or even with season 11 of Mystery Science yeah. Theater. I will like, say yeah. the story is much lighter than these weird arcs that were in season 8 of Mystery Science Theater. Oh, I'm sorry yeah. this is too specific, yes. but yeah. there were these very bad... Even the creators would say they're not very good. Like mm-hmm. They're making these people who aren't trained actors do these dramatic scenes with stakes mm. and, you know, uh, plot development and things like that when they were just, ultimately, their job was to stand there and be goofy and be, yeah. like, be immaturish on purpose as part of the charm of the show. Yeah, it really, like, them going to Rome, I think that sequence especially really stretched them yeah. uh, past their breaking like, point. We have three actors and uh, <laughs> we'll just cycle, them, cycle through them over and over. In the Netflix Mystery Science Theater shows, I think by the second set of them, they realize, like, let's just have six at once we can't drop 13 mo- 14 movies on yeah. people and expect everybody to watch them at once like that was as literally like 20 hours of content just dumped in a- on one day i think disenchantment is still uh they're still figuring out how they deal with that and in, in part two of season one that's we had thought maybe you'd see more of the lessons learned in part two but i think this was all still kind of produced together yeah so i feel like it'll be more in next year when we'll see more of the lessons learned i think i did enjoy part two unfortunately had some of the issues i didn't like about part one and i thought too much time was spent sort of doing cleanup on the plot developments Mm. of season one part one and it took them a little too long to get to what i liked more about the first part which was the standalone adventure episodes that were just like fun explorations of this world i I felt like all of a sudden there were stakes and all of a sudden there weren't stakes Mm -hmm. and then there was a lot of cleanup and i just wanted like no i want to see you have fun in this world but they were like no we need to get the status quo back into order we need to repair this world and i just if they didn't destroy the world in the first place they wouldn't have needed to spend time repairing it i felt like there was so much time spent on both aspects of that plot element that it took too long to get to the episodes that i liked it was kind of the reverse of part one uh, in pacing where part one started with these kind of episodic adventures and then for the last three episodes it was like oh here's a big plot development this is all leading to a giant cliffhanger and tons of revelations and then season part two began with three episodes of all the fallout of that and all just to get back to a status quo that would allow more episodic episodes and it it felt like robbing peter to pay paul of just yeah. all this extra work to uh to get to the thing that the show is best at and when the show can get to even though okay so like in episodes like episode two with the heaven and hell stuff there were definitely funny jokes in there even in the first episode which was just uh all about 
Dagmar and the uh, her mother's kingdom, all that stuff. It uh, there were lots of funny jokes in there, but I still was also thinking about like, oh, where's this going? Like, it was engaging my brain in both in two different places: sitcom brain and drama brain. And I wasn't sure w- how much to enjoy it with one or the other. That's true. Yeah, I don't know if it's our fault for expecting a gag-heavy show like The Simpsons or Futurama while we're watching this. Maybe that's not the show they're trying to make. Mm-hmm. But when I see those Matt Groening drawings and I hear those voice actors, I can't help but think that there should be more jokes. But yeah. maybe that's not the show they want to make. And if that's true, then that's uh, maybe my fault for engaging with it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think they're... I think they are really challenging themselves but in a good way with straddling a line of like they do want to have a futurama style show of like observations about our current day but through the lens of fantasy just as futurama did with sci-fi and they want to have just you know these kind of sitcom setups like in this episode but they also do want to have a story with stakes where characters can seriously die and not come back and they kind of these are things that like futurama didn't really do futurama would play around with this more definitely more than the simpsons but on this show when a character like dies they are dead you know though not of any of the three core characters but like when they killed off jerry i was like oh they he's actually dead yeah he's dead yeah we so many people die in the show that it's hard to take death too seriously though because mm-hmm. death is often the punchline. yeah that's true uh, though it's sometimes it could be so grisly i think yeah. that too is a an interesting uh needle to thread there or when they bring back characters like, oh, by the way, we're just going to spoil stuff from part two in this chat. If yeah. you haven't seen all part two yet, you might want to check it out. Up front is our part two discussion. We'll get to the actual episode in the second half. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, when they say bring back characters like the sea captain the, from the pleasure boat and uh, from part one, I knew he was dead. I was like, I was just waiting to like, this guy's totally going to die. They only brought him back to die. And then he gets killed. Yeah, like murder is a new fun joke for them that I think they overuse because like the sea captain gets killed in this episode, the director gets killed. I'm like, that could have been a fun character like ultimately i think they don't have enough characters yeah in this show yeah. but i guess the thing they're trying to do is is to be game of thrones while mm. making fun of game of thrones and now that i watched a lot more of game of thrones in the last season which was that was the perfect time to get onto game of thrones in the last <laughs> when no one's talking episodes. about it no i agree with you sincerely <laughs> but now i see a lot more of the things especially with the character of Bean being so much like daenerys targaryen mm. the uh the white-haired heir to the throne whose lineage is of people who have a history of mental illness like that that uh, was the cover for her character going mad and why her father was the mad king and all this stuff and that's why with Bean this season they're like no you're she's not dragonborn like Daenerys was but she has some sort of magical background in this other land and tell her like you might be crazy you know half of our family goes crazy which that's that is uh, straight up Daenerys that's the context that i didn't get or didn't Uh, have yeah yeah so that that new context shows me more of what what they're going for with game of thrones which like yeah get they if they didn't touch on it that would be like futurama never making star wars or star trek jokes like that it's just the popular thing you hit on but i do think this season has a lot of really funny stuff in it like the my second favorite episode in this the dreamland job is is a really really funny one that's one of my favorites and it has 
Uh, it had some very random jokes in there. I actually thought Zog was uh, less funny this season, last season, but he's still really good. I think he's less funny because all the jokes are about him being sad and miserable. <laughs> uh, and I think uh, Bean became a lot more of a character in this season, too. Like, I think she really became the main character in this season. Yeah, she's working through a lot more stuff in this season. One thing I definitely felt in part one was that because Elfo was this, you know, new to the world guy that everybody explained things to, that it kind of made him the main character, even though Bean's supposed to be, because everybody's sad about Elfo, everybody explains things to Elfo. Then in this one, like, no, Elfo is really secondary to Bean in the show now. Yeah, they did change his character in a way that I think they didn't nail down, but towards the end of the season, I was kind of getting a feel for who Elfo is now, and that he is not, like... The Fry-like, very naive character in this new world. He is now super jaded, mm-hmm. and he's now more just like a losery creep <laughs> yes, than yeah. an innocent. He's been tainted by Dreamland. Yeah, I don't want to see him pining after Bean. Really, I don't. It's like eh, Bean doesn't need this guy. Yeah, like, uh, F Elfo uh, or Elmo, as he is often called. <laughs> I, an improvement in part two is that I think they enriched Dreamland more. There yeah. was more places to go. Oh, especially because the Elves move to town, and so it's like, yeah. oh, they can go to the Elf Village now. And Lucy gets a job yeah. as a tavern proprietor. Yeah, the Flying Scepter is now Lucy's bar, which is uh, gives... I think they they rightly realized if they were going to write so many episodes where Bean gets drunk, then you need more to do in the bar than just it being yeah. where she's drinking. Having Lucy be sort of the mope, the bartender exactly, of this world. Yeah. And one thing I will say to the show's credit, it is the best-looking uh, non-anime animated show on Netflix. Yeah. And it makes every other show look like a pile of puke, as Mo would say. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I'm sure the Graining name probably meant that you give this show lots of money. Maybe that was the man from Graining and Company, but this show is just a treat to look at. There's so much texture to the backgrounds. It's gorgeous. The color choices are so interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just fun to stare at. And everything else looks like color forms moving around compared to Disenchantment. And I think yeah. it's because they're getting a lot more money. Yeah. It, oh, definitely. They, it's, uh, um, sorry, it's traditional animation. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's still digital because everything's digital now. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's much more in the way they make the rest of the network stuff. Like it's the level of network animation, yeah. which is above the level of like even Adult Swim, what they'll spend on animation. Well, or it's like Venture Brothers versus most of everything else on Adult Swim on animation. Yeah. Level. Although I think it looks better than some network stuff like Bob's Burgers because Bob's yeah. Burgers, uh, they do what they can with their assets, but it is puppety, puppety mm-hmm. style animation. And uh, Disenchantment definitely isn't that. Yeah, well, and that's what Disenchantment needs versus Bob's Burgers. Like, we both really love Bob's Burgers. It's more of just line-driven and writing-driven. It's 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 made for you know, puppets to basically express their say yeah. words and then leave. Though they can do action well when they want to, but most episodes of Disenchantment have at least like one like action-y kind of set piece, so you need fuller animation for that, too. I think animators would have to relearn a lot of stuff to do BoJack-style animation in Matt Craning style or it's just like our brains couldn't understand it yeah. you know we're, we're used to that style of drawing moving in a certain way that if it was more puppety and flashy it wouldn't look uh, it wouldn't look right to our heads and I will say it looks very much better than The Simpsons does now too which I oh, think yeah. The Simpsons yep. is using that puppety tool set they're better at disguising it mm-hmm. but you can still see the strings in a way I really hope Disney gets them a new uh, production <laughs> give them like, some pencils yeah 
Yes, please. I again, I don't blame the current Simpsons staff. They're doing what they can is with this show that Fox just kept going like, can you make it cheaper? Can you make it cheaper? Can you make it cheaper? Yeah, like, this is not just us complaining. If you go to the most recent DVD commentaries on season 18, you can hear the directors and animators pining for the old digital animation they were able to do before <laughs> the puppety stuff moved in. Like even they miss it and what yeah. they could do, but it's more money. But also in the show, uh, another thing I really liked is that Lucy's, I think Lucy's character improved a lot more too. He was, he was the fun sociopath in part He's one. Bendery. Very bendery, and he's still a bit bendery in this. But in Lucy in episode two, he actually does sacrifice something major and like he gives something up to help them and he admits that he likes them bender with him they never he obviously likes fry but they always go back on it on the show he's like oh yeah fry you are my friend anyway i stole your wallet or whatever yeah, those are yeah. the kind of jokes they did but like in the season finale for example lucy's just like well, i care about you guys i'm not immortal anymore but i'm happy to die with you i'm with you guys like that was a sweet moment that i think the character of lucy needed more of like er- eric andre has so much more range than just being like the guy's like noise yeah like, which he's good at that too i love eric andre i think too something that hurts the first three episodes that makes the rest better is that uh, all of those supporting characters are frozen in stone for three episodes and even when they come back you barely see them after the uh the third episode you don't see enough of them like i feel like the first part of this first season or whatever you want to call it the first 10 episodes Mm -hmm. they got a lot more work out of their side characters and i think they were so focused on telling the story of bean that they sort of lost those other side characters like Mm -hmm. oddfall who comes back in a big way towards the end Mm -hmm. but even characters like uh, bunty who i love i think she has like one line this season and it's in this episode (laughs) like what happened to her she's so funny (laughs) bunty's one of the funniest characters yeah and we lost uh, jerry and we lost i forget his name the guy played by rich fulcher the uh the weird like priestess guy that was yeah. with uh, Dagmar. He had a lot of great lines in the first episode of the part two, but yeah, he um, seemingly is dead. He just so. died unceremoniously. I mean, yeah. maybe he's coming back. Who knows? A bookcase fell on him. Mm-hmm. I guess, too, did you notice how much they really went on the Futurama stuff? I mean, not just the uh, Steam Land and Bite My Shiny Metal Axe. Yeah. But all, which that, I was like, Farnsworth right, Avenue fine. or whatever. Yeah, Farnsworth yeah. Avenue. That guy, when he had his goggles on, he looks like young Farnsworth. Oh, uh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is his name? Gunderson? Yeah. Gunderson? Yeah. And this was one I didn't catch, but I saw people retweet, so I'm stealing it from them. But Gunderson opens up a drawer. It is a collection of wires that is the exact collection of wires, like drawn the exact same way that Farnsworth has in episode oh. one of Futurama. Oh, you're totally right about that. Wow. So yeah. they're really going deep there. I will say up front, that was my favorite episode because it is doing what I want the show to do and be. And maybe that's just my own baggage I'm putting on the show. But I want it to be like Futurama and I want them to go to different places and explore different aspects of this world. And I thought they got a lot of fun material out of Steamland. Um, but a, a lot of the show is spent within the castle, within the town surrounding the castle. I think they ventured out of it a lot more in the first part. Yeah, they really did this. Uh, they stuck a lot more in Dreamland, at least for like, well, the first three episodes, the first two episodes, no Dreamland. Oh, yeah, for sure. But then, yeah, for the next six episodes or seven, uh, five episodes, it's all Dreamland. Then they go to Steamland and then the Dreamland uh, finale, which finale, it cited more on dramatic than comedy, especially with like, I don't know, horrible things happen to Zog a lot on the, the, so that's another, the part of the balance there that like, there's so many jokes about horrible things that happen to Zog that then 
don't matter the next episode. Like his his gout goes away yeah. instantly. Which, that, by the way, that gout. Oof, that, that was, was my so favorite B plot. <laughs> but but that was a situation where Zog was better by the next episode. But then later. They want the cliffhanger to matter of Zog has been shot and he might die. Like, you guys should be really worried about that. Uh, and I, I, it worked to a degree, but I also was thinking, like, well, he just had that gout stuff. And yeah. It was fine. I mean, I guess it's the difference between comedy violence and more realistic violence. Like, getting shot through the chest yeah. is not less of a joke than getting, like, a big swollen toe or getting your arm chopped off or whatever. <laughs> Zog is just funny throughout the whole season. Yeah. yeah he's, I mean, he's the receptacle for their fat lazy dad <laughs> jokes except he's now a king who can murder anybody when he says so yeah i love uh john dimaggio in this role yeah yeah he's uh i mean it's a danger but a quality of the show is that they get so close to like can we just have all the futurama guys just talk to each other and be yeah. in every scene and uh in the first our first episode of uh, what a cartoon about disenchantment i thought it was nice that all the futurama guys came back in lesser roles now uh with the second part i miss them because you don't hear as much of the side characters like the king King's uh, Wizard, who's played by Billy West, and the Jester. You rarely hear them. You rarely hear Oddball, played by Maurice, played by Maurice LaMarche. I felt like there was much less of them in this uh, season. Like it feels like Billy West came in for like half an hour and did all of his lines. <laughs> Oh, and another interesting thing they did in the show was like they they wrote off the character of Una seemingly unless she comes back with a vengeance in, yeah. in the next season. I mean, it's a credit to the show that uh, I miss these characters, but they're also making a mistake where it's like you're getting rid of too many characters. Yeah, they they need Una. I mean, that one could have been a situation where they they knew where the f- season finale cliffhanger of this was going, and it doesn't work the same if Una is there. So you have to remove her to make that cliffhanger work like a big part of the cliffhanger is that Derek inherits it and he's he's the one in charge if Una's there then she's the one in charge so they can't do that we see a lot more of him he's sort of like the Ralph Wiggum of uh he is so Ralph Wiggum yeah Yeah. he's a little smarter (laughs) yeah which uh, that's what's fun when he comes off as more uh intelligent there's also though a bit of him uh another Game of Thrones thing he's Ralph Wiggum if he was a more innocent Joffrey which uh Mm. King Joffrey as uh, we all know he's a a nasty little uh, child king uh, who takes over for Baratheon who basically is Zog he's the not funny version of Zog okay. he's, he's a big fat loudmouth who loves hunting and all is that he stuff. like that snotty blonde kid in Harry Potter yeah he's uh, he basically like. the same yeah you've seen the pictures you know who he is yeah I, I think they found some new stuff with Derek I like that a lot with him and also like uh, it was something I was glad they started exploring with Derek and Bean it gave more depth to Bean too that she was like oh yeah I guess I do have a brother don't I yeah I, I mentioned it before, but another thing I really liked was the, the elves coming back because all the elf jokes, the Blanco jokes, all of those. Shaco. Shaco, weirdo, all of them. Uh, they, they they always make me laugh. Like they're so so silly and goofy that I really like that. And so them moving to Dreamland out of their magical land almost makes no sense why they would exit it. But just for joke and story possibilities, I'm really happy the elves came back and all live in Dreamland now. We saw the return of Levo. Yeah, which I th- I think uh, Josh Weinstein told us on a podcast interview, but I think he asked us to cut that out. Oh yeah, he's I like uh, he Levo might come back or something. <laughs> like that it was the ultimate spoiler yeah for season two now part two i was uh i definitely enjoyed seeing levo uh appear the legendary levo appear that was nice and yeah i think i guess 
I, another thing, though, I had to get used to with the show was to learn to not eat watching it because it oh. can get raw. Oh, oh yeah. Like, yeah. I was not ready for how scatological this part two was, even though part one was a bit. And it's it's not just like how much people die in the show, but also like the, um, I guess I'm thinking specifically about the, the elves being sick episode. Oh, yeah. That's not a good one to watch while eating. Yeah. When they're all drinking the filth water, like that all made me like i i literally get like it <laughs> it did its job with though it uh though the opening of that episode too reminded me of futurama and the nudist planet of just everybody's oh, yeah. naked with their butts hanging out i will say in terms of content i feel like the one actual swear they're allowed to say is goddamn or uh, goddamn it yeah and you can't do that on a network still for some reason and i feel like they're maybe leaning too hard into that where there's like one goddamn it per episode <laughs> it's like bob odenkirk writing this uh i think we God joked with damn them it. <laughs> I think we joked around with Josh about like uh, can, again. Well, one episode, Elfo finally say fuck. <laughs> oh fuck yeah. Speaking this. of that, so between the yeah. last episode of What a Cartoon and this one, we actually went to the Disenchantment offices and uh, interviewed Josh Weinstein. And that interview is on our Patreon, mm-hmm. Patreon.com/slash/TalkingSimpsons. And we were led into the writers' room or the rewrite room. And so for every episode of season one, part two, there was like a little drawing in the title. And so we were kind of spoiled as to what would happen in the last episode. So the last thing I saw oh, on that wall yeah, yep, yep. was being tied to the stake and everything on fire. Yeah. So I, yeah. I totally forgot about that until I saw it in the show. I was like, I saw that in like February. Yeah, February. Yeah, I buried that back in my memory after seeing that. But you're right. That was uh, Josh only let us look around for just a minute and swore us to secret see and also it was like no pictures nothing but it was it was so cool to just walk around the bongo office former bongo offices where the production was out of and see it like josh was super nice and i think you know he's he's working really hard on the show i think i think he said to us it's been a learning experience for them to go from a weekly show that has to be 22 minutes to the more open style of netflix animation that can kind of some episodes can be 22 some episodes could be 25 some could be 20 it's just how you feel it was unfortunate though that like it was a quiet time in the office so we didn't get to meet any of the other writers yeah. on it they weren't around we got to track down david x cohen somehow he's not on twitter <laughs> i had bill oakley tell him to go on twitter he did not respond yeah boo come on david cohen be bothered on twitter by everybody he's got a phd in computer science he should be on twitter <laughs> i mean i guess he's enjoying like semi-retire i think him and the, all the other writers on this it was like you know a few months work uh, and then once your script is in and the writing's done they they don't have to live in uh, Santa Monica anymore. They don't have to live yeah. in the L.A. anymore. We could ask David all about Berkeley because he had to live here for a few years. That's right, man. I want to hear about 1992 Berkeley. Mm. Actually, there's a joke later in this that reminds me of 1992 Berkeley, but okay. I'll, get, I'll get to that. <laughs> we got to interview him then. They also, since the last one we did, it was confirmed in October of 2018 that they'd get a new season, which is 20 episodes. So they'll be just enchantment until 2021 at least. We could So 10 uh, a year. Yeah. That's, l- that's it's not come on guys lord Let's step it up uh, crossing our fingers we'll be watching that part four uh under a new president in that time <laughs> when bernie nationalizes netflix yeah we'll oh have God. free disenchantment <laughs> your word your voice to god's ears man that's what i say but yeah that that part situation it still always makes me think of like uh the final season of game of thrones for instance had two parts which was really just like 
a second season. They did one more season, but I think it was in all of the contracts with the people making it that they're like, we're, we're only signed out for seven seasons. Okay. Then season seven is in two parts. How about that? Yeah. Like I think breaking bad did that where the last season yep. is like six episodes or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and that presentation of it is just like, it's corporate doublespeak that we kind of have to get saddled with. And, uh, but yeah, as, as for the like staff and everything on this, it's basically the same as in uh season part, one uh, that that we talked about in that what a cartoon uh you know josh weinstein co-developed it with matt Groening, and uh, he brought together a ton of writers and artists who had, had a lot of experience on both simpsons and futurama including his old partner bill oakley patrick verone david x cohen but also young writers who are new like uh shion takeuchi uh jenny yeah. batten and m dickinson and also um rich vulture of uh of mighty boosh yeah. fame i saw more new writers this time less of the old uh, futurama harvard crew <laughs> little less little yeah did less, david yeah. cohen write an episode or was he, he did, just okay he did write an i must have missed that then yes david x cohen wrote the stairway to hell episode the second okay, one of part yeah. Two, yeah i must have missed that credit then uh, the the only new writer name uh and credited writers in part two is adam briggs who hmm. is a uh, australian comedy writer slash rapper who apparently has like like real rapping credit he raps about this and he raps about that. <laughs> wow two different things <laughs> i will tell people we said this earlier but uh don't skip the credits mm-hmm. uh don't skip intro it's like 10 seconds long you see who writes the show and who directs it but also you get some nice drawings too yeah, Original yeah. drawings i actually kind of stop i i never skip intros on stuff but sometimes i don't like seeing those images before i've seen the episode because i'm like oh i know that scene's gonna come in there where, where we'll come in like it it turns a little spoilery so in my first viewings I just look at the names. I don't uh, look at the that's art. That's a good strategy. Yeah. But, I mean, you should never skip an intro. Celebrate all the people who make the shows yeah. you enjoy. Look, I get it if it's an anime OP you've seen for like 70 times and it's 90 seconds long. You can right. skip the Evangelion intro if you watch it once, at <laughs> uh, least. But it's but that's the greatest intro of all time. You're a cop if it's you true. skip that <laughs> intro. That's what I say. Uh, and, yeah, I think uh, another... Oh, yeah, one other big change, though, from this season, by the end of this season, is Shion Takeuchi, one of the best writer she wrote the she wrote an episode last season she wrote the first episode of part two uh she has since sold her own series to netflix mm-hmm. so she is no longer working on the show i would assume she's now got her own now anime series direct coming. competition <laughs> fight 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 and she's working with uh josh weinstein and hers old boss alex hirsch to make the show okay like, uh, that sounds great josh was one of many writers on gravity falls and upcoming what a cartoon on here as well mm-hmm. coming this month so you'll learn more about shion takeuchi there but uh, also if uh the only other thing I know Adam Briggs for is him uh, eating at Outback Steakhouse with Bill Oakley in a Bill Oakley Instagram. Oh, that's okay. Yes. If you I remember seeing a large Australian guy doing that, uh, I guess uh, final thoughts on just part two of it. Uh, I still think they're figuring out how much they want to make it a linear show with drama and stakes versus how much they want to make it an episodic show of, of fun, unique sitcom situations. I still prefer... I. I do think they find more humor than some would with these linear stories or the all these dramatic situations. But I, in this uh, part two, I still prefer the episodes that were just a unique 
situation that allowed the characters to explore and discover themselves, like this episode. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way in that they are not really clear what kind of show they're making, or maybe it's not even clear to me, and they're kind of splitting the difference between two types of shows, and I prefer Mm. the standalone episodes. I did like the Steamland one a lot, but even then, it was just being alone Mm. in this new world, and not like Elfo and Lucy or even Zog with her, just her alone by herself, and I felt like if that would have been a whole episode in that world with other characters, it would have been even more interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, that episode, that's why that one isn't my second favorite, just because I would have liked a little more like fun comments from Elfo or Lucy experiencing that world. Maybe that was another situation of the overarching narrative they're building instead, where they they only want Bean to have experienced Steamland, because then nobody believes her when she comes back. That pays off with the dragon flute slash gun. Yeah. But I guess that's an example of the uh, the storytelling getting in the way of jokes. Yeah, that's uh, that is the very challenging mission they gave themselves. That they want to have these very plot driven things that matter but to make that work then you do take away your comedy arrows in your quiver yeah it does seem very difficult and i sympathize with that but i I hope season three or season two part what season two part one whatever it's called (laughs) sure whatever you want to call it i hope that they do more exploring of the world and do more standalone sitcom-y explorations of things within dreamland with like a point or like a parody of something or a satire of something there was very little of that there was very little of the show i think about things outside of the show like a bigger ideas where you would see those all the time on futurama yeah i hope they commit more to that though i don't know you know they're serving a lot of masters there like i do think uh, who, ne- who we don't know but i i think uh, netflix really wants those kind of cliffhangers netflix is built on cliffhangers and so maybe they maybe they're just really being pushed to have that kind of linearity stuff which to get back to our bigger discussion of how people consume streaming content, people went to it for all these dramatic shows they watch a ton, but now what are the series that everybody is really following streaming services to? They're following they're upset about Friends or Office or Seinfeld or Simpsons. That makes the news. These just pure comfort foods from yeah. 20 years ago that you just are like, oh, God, this makes me feel better. Maybe that's the difference <laughs> between uh, the situation now and the situation five years ago. Yeah, people just want their treats. I want my treats. Yeah. I don't want to be challenged with antiheroes. Like, I've had yeah. enough of these antiheroes. <laughs> no, no matter what show they make, no matter how popular it is, they can't compete with, you know, Friends or The Office or Seinfeld mm-hmm. or The Simpsons, these things that they're just every week a reset button was hit and that was it. I, I guess, too, you know, it was a novel concept of like, what if a person with power was bad? Uh-huh. Now it's just like, yeah, what if? What if? It's, it's uh, happening right now. We don't need to ask what if. Yeah, that's, uh, that's why it felt like a real throwback. I started, I watched the whole first season of, uh, Barry, the uh, Bill Hader dramedy on HBO. And when it falls into like the kind of, you know, television anti-hero stuff and the the kind of cliffhangers and uh these like oh but these breaking bad type kind of moments i think to myself like oh this is this feels really retro like i guess shows can still be this huh like it was it's funny to go back to that like now. The, uh, the obama era prestige tv yeah well because i stopped watching those kind of press after breaking bad i was like i got i got my yeah girl. like i I watched Sopranos, I watched Mad Men, I watched Breaking Bad. Walking Dead was a bridge too far. I was like, this isn't smart enough. No, I can't do it. It was a good uh, pilot movie, and they never made any episodes. That's how I choose to view the series. (laughs) I think the shows uh, could use a little more brains, if you Uh, ask me. Uh, 
Uh, I, I fear the Walking Dead. Uh, and same like Game of Thrones, I think a thing that uh, that its fall from grace, I think, damaged my want to see bingeable prestige television as well because it just, uh, when push came to shove and it came to the end, they didn't have their ending figure out and it was just a mess. It was really just a mess for like the last two years of it where they were just going down this path they decided on and it was a bad path and the, but they couldn't change it. And so like, well, shit. And also it just seemed to forget what was good about the show before and everybody was just like dutifully watching it i'm interested to see you know how our favorite simpsons and futurama writers and artists how and and actors how they all engage with the changing way that uh that fiction is presented these Mm. days and uh, disenchantment offers that up to us it really does all right now that we have uh, fully discussed the overall feel of part two of disenchantment why do we take a quick break and focus with laser-like intensity in the episode in her own right Senator Gilbert, welcome to the break, and I hope you're not listening to the smeared in your own manure. Hey, everybody, it's Bob, and I love hot, bitter beer. And uh, we really love all you guys listening to this week's podcast, whether it's on What a Cartoon or our Talking Simpsons folk who get to enjoy it this week on the free feed. What a Cartoon, every week we talk about a different animated series and focus in on one of their episodes. It's a ton of fun to go through all of this animated history. And if you want to hear every episode of the show a week at a time and ad-free, you can sign up at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And that's just the start of it. That's right. If you go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons and sign up at the $5 level, you'll have access to all of our bonus podcasts. We've done a lot of bonus podcasts over the past two plus years. And if you sign up today, you will get access to all of our mini series, including Talking Futurama, Talking Critic, Talking of the Hill, and the upcoming this month in October will be starting Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1 just for patrons. At the $5 level, we also have a lot of other things going on like interviews, end of season wrap-ups, community podcasts, and so much more. There's too much to mention even in this break, but we We have over a hundred bonus podcasts waiting for you and way more to come in the future. But just for our $10 patrons, we have extra, extra long podcasts every month, including our longest podcast ever to date. We might one day break that record. (laughs) And what is going on there at the $10 level, Henry? Yes, for our premium patrons, they get the What a Cartoon Movie podcast for $10 a month. You'll get a monthly What a Cartoon Movie where me and Bob talk about a different animated feature film in the same hyper in-depth style as we do an episode of a TV series, but because most films are 90 minutes to two hours long, they end up being way longer and super deep. 
We just did Cowboy Bebop the movie. In October, we're doing The Nightmare Before Christmas. And in our back catalog, far too many to list, but as varied as Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Kiki's Delivery Service, a goofy movie, Tiny Toons How I Spend My Vacation, and The Secret of Nim. So many great animated films you can hear me and Bob talk about with tons and tons more to come. You really get your money's worth if you sign up at the $10 level or upgrade your $5 pledge to that just to get it. And no matter what level you sign up at, it's very easy to fit our bonus podcast in alongside of your regular free podcast in your podcasting lifestyle. What happens is you're given a code, you have access to it at any time, you drop that into whatever you use to listen to podcasts, and you can do it that way, or just use the Patreon app, which is very good and another way to access all of our bonus stuff. Either way, it's very, very easy to access all of the stuff we're doing on the Patreon levels. So thanks so much for your support. Now, why don't we get back to the land of dreams with our deconstruction of disinformation. All right, we're back from the break with In Her Own Right, the eighth episode of part two of uh season one of disenchantment and everyone out there stop calling it disenchanted uh, it's yeah. a different thing altogether you're hurting its seo yeah <laughs> but i picked this one not just because it was written by our, our our best friend in the world bill oakley oh yeah <laughs> he's uh, met with us on uh one separate occasion <laughs> yeah but also because uh this is my favorite episode of the season the dreamland job which was the uh, the heist episode that's actually my second favorite if just for the ear joke that ear joke is really funny oh you're right yeah uh but there's a lot of strong episodes in the season i think to something when you binge it so fast you don't have time to think about the episode you just saw so you can't reflect on an episode as much in second viewing that's when i could really appreciate this episode just on its own not as part of a narrative arc of 10 episodes yeah me too i think too you know bill oakley uh and the rest of the team who worked on this made this a very self-contained episode that just has a clever concept at the center of it that allows the characters to explore themselves and the world of dreamland and find new aspects of the world too uh to deal with i really like that about it uh this episode is directed by Ira Shirak. Hmm who uh, they have five uh, directing credits on the entire first 20 episodes of Disenchantment. So they uh, have directed uh, 25% of uh, the seasons. I looked at Ira's uh, background and uh, definitely it seems like an expected pathway through the the graining verse. Ira got their start as a storyboarder and then assistant director on Duckman. Oh, no way. Okay. Well, I trust him now. Uh, He was assistant director on a favorite episode of mine the amazing colossal duck man oh that's a great one one of the best like animated ones of the series yeah and after Duckman, he stuck around in the Klasky Chupo-averse uh, working as a border on the newer episodes of Rugrats Ah Real Monsters Wild Thornberries but then in 1999 he left the Klasky Chupo building for the uh, bright future of Futurama oh nice where he worked on the show in 1999 and then also for the return seasons as well at Comedy Central and in between those years he was a storyboarder on The Simpsons 
Blues in 2004 to about 2006, which he then also joined Sit Down, Shut Up, where he worked under Josh Weinstein on that series. I still have to watch that show, at least one episode. And uh, then he has been a director. His first pure directing credits were on shows like, uh, was on Sit Down, Shut Up, and then he stayed as a director, but also doing boarding here and there on shows like Bob's Burgers and... uh, Brickleberry. Uh, Everybody does their Brickleberry time, we've, we've noticed. Yeah. Uh, and then post Bob's Burgers, he moved over to Disenchantment, where he worked on the entire first season of it. Good so, stuff. Yeah, Ira's background is an interesting one. And uh, yeah, I, I we talked about the opening before. I never hit the skip button, but sometimes I don't like having like shots spoiled in it. But I did really like the three color versions of those tableaus are really good. Yeah, those should be posters, honestly. I love, uh, especially my favorite in this opening is the one of Bean being sad and looking down on the stage while while uh, Zog looks on. And uh, the episode begins with a helpful series of flashbacks as uh, Bean is having a scary nightmare, which that feels like it's building up something more. That wasn't really paid off in part two about like the power of dreams in Dreamland. Yeah, maybe that'll be a part three thing, but the king drops some lore where he says, you know, dreams are more powerful in Dreamland. They're having the same dream about uh, Dagmar. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, they don't really reference that again in this season that could just be you know planning seats for the future oh i definitely think it is like i mean what if the secret society that Oddval runs part of that is to harness the power of dreamland and that's why everybody wants to take dreamland i would not be surprised and it's a legitimately scary visual of being without her mouth like that's yeah. uh, that's a really good shot there and a very cool shot of the camera sort of rotating around the bed that she's yeah. in and really cool lighting too again they couldn't do this on another netflix show i don't think these ambitious shots and or they then, wouldn't look as good. Yeah. Well, and then when she wakes up, nice call back to the owl bell chimes. I like that she's like, what time is it? And three owls strike the bells, which is not necessarily mean it's 3 a.m., but she's like, oh, 3 a.m. Like, I like how there's good. an owl problem in Dreamland, like in Futurama. But, <laughs> Just uh, like, like Futurama. I will say there is a little too much bird violence in the show. Yeah. So uh, yeah. let's tone it down, gentlemen. Well, there's violence to everything. That's so true. There's an, they're an equal opportunity offender, Bob. That's like, I guess I guess that's true. I guess you, uh, you don't like, you, your PC culture can get out of here. I hate freedom of speech. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, speak. actually, I guess in the next scene, uh, two birds get eaten. That's true. Oh, good. You're still up. I'm always up. I haven't been able to sleep for weeks. They say turkey helps, but I took two and nothing. <laughs> Why are you awake? More nightmares about mom and you and me. I kept trying to talk, but I couldn't get any words out. Uh-huh. Was your mouth sewn shut or you didn't even have one? I, I didn't even have one. How do you know so much? There's a reason this place is called Dreamland. Something about this castle makes dreams more powerful. You can't escape your dreams, but you can stop a nightmare if you work through the issues causing it. Wow, I wish you were this wise all the time when you were awake. I can definitely hear that line being echoed in the future mm-hmm. in like a flashback. Something about this castle makes trees more powerful. <laughs> well, and it, it's stated in a, such a straightforward, non-joke delivery way that it does feel like a flashback line that would be coming up. I and, and like Zog has never been... I wonder if like Zog is actually talking in his sleep and seemingly awake. Because That's what it seems like. That's uh, but I I do love his joke of like he took two turkeys like two Nyquil. <laughs> God, that's a lot of turkey. <laughs> Just ate two full turkeys and then 
It has like a full Thanksgiving plate under his blanket as oh, well. Yeah. He pulls out more food after he falls asleep, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. Which uh, I mean, uh, this uh, these jokes really speak to me as a fat <laughs> guy who likes to eat in bed. It's uh, hopefully not whole turkeys. That's, not like, a that's whole Homer. Turkey. <laughs> that's Homer level. I'm working my way up with pheasants. The that's, turkey uh, fell behind the bed. <laughs> oh wow, he's. Yeah. I didn't realize it was he was so Homeric already from the start. <laughs> there, Bean. Then you know she's she's dealing with her pain, but there's nobody to talk to. So she leaves the castle looking for something. I like that she the door just like slams behind her on her way out. Like the nobody wants to hear her shit. No, the drawbridge keeper is uh, busy enough. I liked how they write Bean is very self involved. Like she's she's a caring person, but she was raised as royalty, so she like really doesn't think of anybody else's people. No. She doesn't have a job or like anything to do really, so she's very self involved. Yeah, which uh, I, there's some great jokes with that in this episode too. As she uh, walks down the street, it, only in this episode viewing did I catch the great uh, the great s- sign gaggery. Oh uh, yeah, there's four uh, in a row. So we have uh, Poem Depot, mm-hmm. uh, Berets, Bongos, and Beyond. Uh, Dreamland Ditchweed Dispensary, and my favorite was Gertrude's Steins. <laughs> That's the most clever, but I I like that they just legalized ditchweed in uh, in Streamland, huh. but you have to go to the dispensary for it. That uh, I like that. The There's story some California that writers. <laughs> I so I swear. And uh, yeah, Lucy's bar. It's funny that Lucy's bar is still covered in scepters, like it's still the flying scepter, even though it's uh, his bar now. Those are load bearing scepters. I think they've damaged <laughs> important beams and they can't be removed. Uh, but leave it to Bill Oakley of Portland and Portlandia writing credits to introduce dreamland's first coffee shop in this episode like definitely this whole section with uh, the unique artists that are at a coffee shop mm-hmm. definitely feels like uh, the portland roots of bill oakley coming through in this. And instead of all working on their macbooks they're all working with a parchment and quill i love that it's really That's nice so clever yes but let's let's learn about this thing called coffee okay okay the political situation in dreamland has really gotten me confused First, everyone in the kingdom got turned to stone. Then we all got de-stoned. Ever since then, I've been trying to get stoned again. (laughs) Ah! This is hot. It's supposed to be hot. Hot, bitter beer? It's coffee. (laughs) It's a new drink. Kind of like tea, but stronger and worse. Will it make me forget my troubles? No, but it'll stunt your growth. I'm 23, but I still get to order off the kids' menu. Now tell Miri all about your problems. You look really familiar, Miri. I have another job working for people who never notice me because they're so self-absorbed. We were talking about you. <laughs> so you're saying she does show up uh, elsewhere in other yeah, episodes. Yeah, I definitely noticed her in my second viewing in the castle. <laughs> I believe she appears in other episodes too. But I mean, her hair's down. That's why her hair is up in this when she's yeah. there. But, uh, usually she has one, her, one eye covered with her f- big frizzy hair. I don't appreciate that coffee disc, although I am drinking green tea right now. <laughs> yeah, that they it, put sweetener in. <laughs> I said no sweetener. And it's too sweet for me. So is this uh, is is this episode why you got tea in 
instead of coffee because it was so negative towards coffee? I'm honestly trying to cut back on coffee. Oh, I see. Uh, but I'm a coffee enjoyer in general. So oh, I hate coffee. Don't so like good. It. The only times I like coffee is how I like alcohol, which is the flavor is masked mm. by a bunch of uh, sugar. I just want much. the richest, blackest coffee. Which is funny though because I don't I don't need caffeine to wake up in the morning. I, I do pretty all right without it, so I don't need my morning whatever. But I do like just straight green tea. I do I I can drink I fucks with some tea. <laughs> uh, but really though, only in like if it's served at a place and it's it's with a meal. I don't just drink it's good tea with a on meal. So yeah, I ended up this is getting so nerdy, but I ended up after going to Japan. <laughs> uh, if you go to Japan. And you go to like a sushi restaurant, just a restaurant in general. And there's often like a little faucet oh, of God, water at yes. your table that yeah. just shoots out boiling water. I can see why they don't have that in America. We're too irresponsible. But you spoon in a little bit of matcha powder and you put it underneath the boiling water faucet. You have instant hot green tea. It's so good. I love that so much. Yeah, yeah but it is. It's a responsibility that like uh, is too much for Americans. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of stuff when you walk around Japan, you're like. Uh, well, we can't have nice vending machines like this because somebody would break it. Yes. Or we can't have uh, these kinds of faucets because uh, on the show Jackass, they just pour, fill a bucket up with it and throw it at their friend and melt his skin Those off. Those Jackass boys, yes. But again, yes, we brought it to Japan somehow <laughs> yes, with somehow. our Disenchantment podcast. We apologize. Uh, but uh, yeah, the coffee shop is pretty uh, a funny. The jittery is a funny setting. Billy West Phil Silver's voice is amazing all yeah. the time. Uh, but this, I love this play on his jester character because when he's on stage at the coffee shop, he gets a little more woke. So instead of just his like uh, regular gesture, he's like the political situation. Yeah, he's got a real like Lenny Bruce style <laughs> pose to him, and just sitting on the stage talking about what's happening in the news. Oh yeah, yeah. And smoking <laughs> a cigarette, right? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's the Mark Marin kind of pose was what I was thinking. But yeah, it's it's yeah. Lenny Bruce, sure. Right. Although I was wondering because wasn't there a recent thing that Netflix is like, okay, nobody can smoke on our shows from now on, and Lucy does a lot of smoking yeah and they're smoking in this episode i believe they want to crack down on it more but they also i think announced a loophole from the beginning of like well if quentin tarantino wants a character to smoke if yeah. it's if it's necessary for i think the director just has to approve it but also i think it's the if you're famous enough then you can do it like probably if you're somebody who just sold their show to netflix and you're like I want character this character to smoke all the time. They tell you no, no. But unless it's like uses a prop, an important prop. But if you're Matt Groening, yeah, smoke away. Like that's uh, which like they're not smoker. They're against smoking. It's the bad characters that yeah. smoke. Uh, and now it'd be vaping anyway. But uh, they haven't done their medieval vaping joke yet in the Ooh, series. I hope there's one in part. Wait, season two, part one. There we go. Steamland should be the home of the vaping, but boy, okay, let's pitch a joke here. What would be vaped in that mm, situation? What would it taste like? We need to work. We need to workshop this somehow. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I forgot to mention the talk of part two as well. Another, I really did like the episode where Zog fell in love with the bear woman. Like, yeah, that was, it was just a sweet story for Zog. It was kind of his rebound, and I also just like the the her trying to deal with human humanity she's like no 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 i'm actually a bear who takes off her skin and is a human but i'm a bear first and i noticed in that episode that all the forks have two prongs ah uh, yeah trail for some reason the two-pronged forks that hasn't been explained yet but uh and yes uh mary there though she is played by lauren tom who oh okay i didn't is, recognize her uh, voice yeah. It's not her first appearance on the show either, though. I didn't recognize her voice in previous ones. I She's disguised more because Maurice LaMarche and Billy West are doing voices they did on Futurama, 
But Lauren Tom really only did two voices on Futurama, Amy and her mom. So like Con Jr. and Min, yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, honestly, the exact same thing. So so in that case with Lauren Tom, she didn't do characters like Mary who have, you know, an affected accent of some kind. But but it's just like the extra plain accent, I think, is what, what Mary does. But yeah, it's uh, another of the many Futurama uh, cast members there. And I like, uh, I thought it was a funny joke, too, that she, she, she tells Bean to her face that she just ignores her all day and Bean just stares at her. Yeah. It's nothing. <laughs> like, I think in part two, I really started appreciating Bean's design even more like that shot of her not reacting to what mary said it's funnier because of the how far apart her eyes are and how derpy she looks with her buck teeth i've come to appreciate the buck teeth more and more as i watch more of the show i think it was a really you know bold design choice that really paid off for her i think design wise i might like lucy more just a little bit but i think she's my favorite of the designed characters of the show eight coffees later bean has quite a lot to say about her problems but it was all a trick my mom had only married my dad to have me she betrayed both of us and i still feel so bad she's my mom you know and my dad i mean he can barely you see this is why most people only have one or two admit she existed but me i mean i just keep having these nightmares because you're bottling up your feelings dig what else can i do express them what do you do for fun i besides get drunk i no i did that because i was drunk oh i no i did that to get drunk I am open to your suggestions. Well, there's art, music, wearing weird clothes you make yourself. This is Judy, by the way. Stop. Basically, anything that lets you work through feelings and heal. You know, creativity. Creativity? Look around you. (laughs) All of these people are expressing themselves. This is all really impressive, but I don't have any talent, so... Do you have hands? Yeah. Can you hold a pen? Yeah. Then you're a writer. And I already got a head start with the drinking. <laughs> That's true. I do think I selfishly wanted this episode too because it's oh, all yeah. writer jokes. Well, I thought of it, <laughs> and I thought also watching this episode that uh, until recently I had been writing for like 19 years professionally with constant deadlines. Now I don't do that anymore. I don't miss it at all. Not I've one done bit. enough writing. <laughs> I've written enough words. I have pushed myself to write all these words. I I was reflecting on that today of like, oh, yeah, I guess I probably wrote a thousand articles that were posted on the Internet, at least 500, at least 500. Yeah, I have to be I I think I wrote like a book's worth of text every month when I was working on a website, just like two articles a day, often like 800 words. And I never want anyone to read it again. Mm, I'm uh, on the fence. Some of my (laughs) stuff you still can read, but I'm also (laughs) publishing a book. That's not Vanity Press. I'll tell you more about that soon. Oh, boy. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, and you, we've both already got a head start on the drinking. But That's uh, true. I, uh, but I think I did like this one, too, because it felt like Bill Oakley is saying a lot about the profession of being a writer in this episode. Yeah, and I like it in that it's more about a thing. It's mm-hmm. not about uh, the characters of the world. It's making a comment about a thing. Yeah, through the, I guess, though, too, it is a Homer gets a job type episode, too. Yeah, yeah. but they don't do that too often on the show yet. I like, too, that being the way they explain being a writer of like, she says, well, I have no talent. I have no discernible talent. She's like, well, you can hold a pen, right? Then you're a writer. A writer is somebody who is talentless (laughs) but can write things down. Going back to complaining about her old job, I often think that's what executives thought of us. It's like, yeah, how hard is it to write? Write, write, write. See, I just wrote a sentence. Who cares? Make a thousand of those and give it to me. I sent you an email. I wrote things down there. It took a second. Why can't you write like seven things a day? It's easy. Boom. 
Yeah, uh, it's the cheapening of writing that uh, is hell on earth. (laughs) They don't think about all the self punishment that comes into writing. Yeah, or also all the uh, the drinking, the cinnamon buns. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was also really good acting on uh, Abby Jacobson there, like her very speedy uh, saying of things. It reminded me of like the drug fueled rant she had. Yeah, yeah. In episode three, part one. I think she uh, she binge drank coffee like it was beer, so she drank eight coffees instead of slowly sipping on one like that that is too much coffee man. and beer is her default beverage <laughs> yeah i also like her explaining of drinking of just like uh bean is slowly realizing she has a drinking problem that every every night she drinks every story of her life is drinking uh she makes other people drink with her because she's alone like there should be an intervention episode of the show but then it's less <laughs> funny well that you know on a show like futurama or simpsons they don't really solve these problems or have arcs for this but on a linear show that is about you know a story from a to b there should be a moment where she's like i guess i do drink too much or like this is a pro a character thing to be solved yeah and then i mean we're just pitching story ideas now but then you could do a joke about like what is a 12-step program like in this medieval world i love that yeah Yeah. oh man i'm a writer now (laughs) because in the 12-step program you have to like uh you know give yourself up to god well give yourself up to god like so or a higher power so what is that represent in dreamland bean has decided she's going to be a writer and she has such great helpers as she writes so what are we writing it's something personal i suppose you can stay and watch though (coughs) here i go when i was young i overheard a conversation between my father and um no (laughs) what no nothing i was gonna say something but then i was like you know what I don't think it's fixable, so maybe just go ahead. What's wrong with it? Nothing's wrong with it, really, other than um, just being bad. But go on. Ugh! Stop talking. Are you sure that's the right word? I think you're conflating confusing with conflating. It's confusing, but I don't like that part either. Wait, we're your biggest fans. (laughs) Quit shoving. Come on. I can help you. You ever heard of a writer's demon? Hmm. I can also help. Ow! Oh, come on. There's nothing to criticize out here. Although this door is hideous. So I think with uh, Elfo there, they really make him extra whiny and annoying in this episode, too. Yeah. Bean is making a common mistake that first writers always make in that they write about themselves mm-hmm. or they will write a main character who is themselves but better and they will write every argument that they lost in real life except that they win. <laughs> Some writers like Aaron Sorkin never outgrew that. No, and it's the same like eight <laughs> arguments. Yeah, just like, um, actually, sir? <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, she's just getting started as a writer. It's, it's a common mistake we all made i think too though uh she's trying to work through a memory she doesn't fully grasp which who knows maybe that'll come up more in the future like that there's some big reveal in that yeah. uh, lost memory but uh, i also like the joke where elfo says they're her biggest fans after being ushered out of the room and insulting her <laughs> yes yeah i uh, i love that that he's so uh he's such he's the bad critic for so much of this episode i really love that they they give all those lines to elfo that he's uh i mean he's somebody on twitter is what he is who's also criticizing it as it's being written who's just like meh you know it can't even be fixed just, just yeah. go on i don't care and the thing that's very subtle that i like is that uh bean's motivation is spite 
Yeah, that's because the greatest. Yeah. Before anything is written, the words I'll show you are said out loud or in someone's head. My my main drive for writing a lot of things was anger at somebody thinking I couldn't do it. Like that uh, spite willed me through a lot of things, which as I got older, I learned like I really needed to find a different drive as a writer than just <laughs> proving someone wrong or being pissed off about it but i don't think i ever really did so that doesn't drive me as a podcaster proving someone wrong <laughs> it's just uh, my love of saying things and being heard i like uh, opinions <laughs> and having them yeah uh, this i mean the, the podcasts are hot take machines but uh yeah, I think another th- reason I really like this episode is that Lucy kind of gets back to his roots by becoming a writer's demon. Like, scenes with just Lucy and Bean, where Lucy is making Bean feel bad or kind of needling her in directions. I really like those moments for the character. Like, Yeah, it's his, his original role was to, uh, you know corrupt her yeah yeah and to be your personal demon and uh, i mean he as a writer's demon he is representing the voice that's in all our heads when we're writing which uh, uh this is just this next clip is just all so well observed so writers have demons oh yeah most of them have dozens and the demons help with writing sure we also cause depression self-doubt insomnia suicide and drug addiction <laughs> the writer's life mm, i don't know eh, you're no writer anyway Nobody gives an elf's ass what you got to say about your trite little life. Up yours. Yes, I am. Huh? Huh? Okay, you can stay. I mean, the problem is now after you become successful, the people who you want to laugh in their face, they can't be found. Yeah. They're not even on Facebook. <laughs> uh, it's it's annoying. You can't shove it in their face as, as easily you as You called before. me a nerd. Now I'm a nerd people know about. Some people. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Uh, but I guess that is the the better revenge. Is like they're so unknown, you can't even find them on Facebook. Yeah, I have to assume they're in prison or dead, <laughs> or you know, uh, parents who don't tweet about their kids. Mm. Which uh, that's that's like a that's, living death. That's I the mean. way to be, I think. <laughs> uh, but yes, the writer's demon bit. It's a really fun, just little montage of him pushing her, like letting her know she needs to procrastinate more. That she's earned a nap. Like that's the feeling in the back of your head of like, I want to eat something or take a nap. I want to do anything other than writing. God, the greatest feeling in the world is I finished writing something. Now I can do nothing. I mean, for a I, little bit for just a little bit. When I was writing longer form things, I would often find ways to reward myself to keep me going. It's like, okay, you wrote for twenty minutes. Now it's five minutes of Twitter time. Just like <laughs> it's all about finding a reward system that works, and hopefully it doesn't destroy you. So it wasn't food for me. Thankfully, it was Twitter, which could be worse. See, but uh, that's why you're a, you're a skinny writer. That's why. That's true. Yeah, that's uh, I. I mean, remember in uh, adaptation where he is arguing with himself uh kaufman is about whether he's earned a muffin yet yeah yeah <laughs> that's uh that's the eternal battle of a writer which is uh you know very like fat and boring <laughs> but uh, but that's there are skinny boring this. writers too <laughs> uh but yeah bean is having a uh, writer's block with her content she is suggested to write uh erotic fairy tale fan fiction which uh that's a it's a cute little idea and then I love the hate on one woman shows, which spoilers, she then basically does a one woman yeah. show at the end of the episode. Hey, one man shows are bad too. I mean, yeah. we, we rarely praise Family Guy, but they did a very funny one man show thing. I can't make fun of one man shows without just doing the bit from Family Guy. Like, oh, I didn't see you there. Yeah. And you know, old man Jenkins used <laughs> to say. There's also a very, very funny joke in uh, Tim and Eric's Bedtime Stories. One of them is about these two awful characters who live together in L.A., 
and that's the horror of it. <laughs> and it ends with uh, Tim as the character putting on a one-man show that's awful, oh, and no one goes to it. I got to see this. I haven't yeah, seen this You got to watch the Bedtime Story series. It's on Hulu. Well, it's now really it's good. October, the yeah. perfect time for it. They're really, really good. Uh, and so as she's having writer's block, she then decides to write a play because that's easier than uh, describing the sunset. <laughs> uh, and so she's going to make a play about her mother and father. Uh, and uh, she needs to go to Zog to help with her memories. So why are they ripping out all the tulips? Oh, I'm putting in an archery range. I wanted a form of exercise that was mostly standing still. Sounds great. Okay, so one time you told me how you proposed to mom. Was it? I don't remember. I didn't even ask the question yet. What's past is past. And I'm not interested in reliving it. (laughs) But Dagmar was part of your life. I mean, both our lives. For almost 20 years. We can't just pretend that never happened. I'm king. I can do whatever I want. (laughs) Like hide in the tool shed until I go away? Maybe. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. You can't even do a DiMaggio impression because he's lived so differently than us. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, I love the noises. They're so great. <laughs> and it was upon my second viewing that I just realized, oh, yeah, Dagmar's big beehive looks just like a tulip. Like, that's, that's the, right. uh, yeah. the metaphor they're going for there. You know, is her beehive also supposed to be a Marge thing? A mom with a beehive? Mm, perhaps. I think she's hiding something within that beehive. Yeah, We're gonna I see. think so, too. Well, she lets her hair down in other times, True, though, too. true. But, uh, Could be to hide a machine gun to fight mummies. But, tula- <laughs> but tulips are a big uh, theme in this episode, I guess mm-hmm. you'd say. They keep popping up. But, the man, the one, he's joke about an exercise that's mostly standing still. But, two, the way he just, like, the, the comedy pacing of how the statue squishes him and then he gets out from under and then just like kicks it down a hill. So funny. We'll like, see that statue again later in this yeah. episode. Uh, just like great, great timing to all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, his, it's also a really good shot of him when he storms off to hide in the tool shed. It's a really good shot of him angry and then when he walks away it reveals his old happy statue behind him like, oh that's that right really yeah artistic I yeah think. he's framed in front of it at first bean doesn't let that get her down and she uh she pushes herself on to write the scenes without any help from her dad and uh, we get to hear abby do a really good uh, or fun impersonations of uh john dimaggio and sharon Hargat. i did like hearing those yeah you wound me wife your heart is as if gripped by ice I am gripped by purpose higher than thy petty worldly concerns. Thou art but one fallen horseman in a grand battle waged far beyond your understanding. To fall in battle is merely one death. To fall in true love's betrayal is a hundred score. Exit stage right and scene. Bravo. A heartbreaking work of average to moderate genius. A dramatic tour de force, it was. <laughs> I've never been permitted to sit down for this long. <laughs> nah, I was really hoping for more of a medical thriller. Terrific work. First rate. Want to celebrate with a little suicide? No! Just doing my job. So, where does your script go now? Rubbish bin? Outhouse? Uh-huh. Well, I think it should be performed on stage. It's quite brilliant. But what do I know? Not much, really. 
Oh man, I love her. Bunty's the best. That's all you get from her in this season. Yeah. I really wish they remembered her. Uh, so you like you get a lot of the side characters in the scene, and made me miss them even more when you don't see much more of them. Yeah, especially they. Man, when Bean moved in with Bunty last season, that was so funny. And also with the the executioner played by Noel Fielding, also from the Mighty Boosh. He's he's really great, and he's uh man, and just and just hearing Merkimer again. Like Matt, Matt Berry's voice is the greatest. It's it, like it's, it oh, is. just this thin God. I uh, he's, he's so stuck up. <laughs> he, again, him on what we do in shadows is so great. Yeah, but, uh, I think he must have moved to America finally, and just that's why he's in everything now. He's he's no longer uh, a slave to the BBC's four mm. episodes of television every two years. <laughs> Those are some good episodes, though. The great oh, they man. have time to polish all of them. Him on Gareth Marenghi's Dark Place, fucking oh, I the greatest. On, I need rewatch that yeah. oh god honestly that should be one of our live action shows that we do but uh someday in the future i also like elfo being again a terrible critic in that what he dislikes about it is that it's not the uh, that it's not a different genre yeah that's and uh that's exactly what writers hate about critics where they're like you're our, you're mad at my work for what it isn't <laughs> like uh, judge it on its own merits and on the second viewing i did notice that mary is in the room yes not with no speaking role or anything she's I I didn't there. catch it in first viewing either. I think it's something I fear with the show when it's so uh, like a narrative arc that you don't watch reruns all the time like you like we did with Simpsons and Futurama to really pick up on all these details because you're just like, well, no, I binged through it. It's time to I, I uh, it's totally disposable. Yeah, now that I binged it. I feel people have that attitude now where it's like, oh, my plate's clean. Time for the next plate. And you go into totally. the next 10 episodes of uh, Glow or whatever. You feel like you can finally watch something else like I finished yeah. that now. I can get to my next responsibility of viewing something. Uh, and uh, the the reference to uh, heartbreaking work of staggering genius oh, yeah. is what he's bringing up. The, I read that book, but I'm so over those kinds of books now. Uh, well, Dave Eggers has had a life, Bob. I know. On. Like he, I li- I'm living his life right now in Berkeley. Exactly. We both are. It was I uh, I read one third of it and then oh. kind of got bored. Uh, but or I just... Uh, it's it's a lot of pages. I I don't I I'm not much into this reading thing. <laughs> Uh, but I, but it was fun to read the at least the first third of it while living in Berkeley because it's about him and his brother moving to Berkeley mm-hmm. after uh, after like the heartbreaking death of their parents. Which it's uh, a, it's a good English majory book to oh read if you're God, in yeah. college and you want to look smart. Uh, put on a nice sweater and read that book in public. It, it really is for white men who want to feel things about stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, uh, it it lets you know that like well my alienation matters too. <laughs> uh, but it was an interesting. I did not expect a Dave Eggers reference there yeah yeah it's nice uh but man bunty laughing about uh, all of her jokes about her serfdom are all so funny and her having no confidence like what do i know nothing really <laughs> and that she just like all she knows how to do is work endlessly and laugh about it and like yeah. how how her children die all the time <laughs> i love that episode about her in the first uh, part it was really good yeah yeah the uh and, and just how much being doesn't see her as a per- bean likes her but i like doesn't understand what horrible life she lives the joke about uh she's never sat down for that long and she's moved to tears <laughs> uh very dark but i love it and uh Merkimer, he could be used more he gets used more this season than he did last season i like him being ridden around by fip and fap in uh, that one episode as yeah well. i think in the first season he just sorts of he just sort of uh, runs off really right yeah, for a while yeah. and then comes back with the giantess and uh, then kind of disappears again but Mer- 
Merkimer, I didn't know this until this viewing, that his crown is supposed to look like Jughead's. It has oh. the red circle and the green rectangle on it are exactly like the pins on Jughead's. Okay. Uh, crown as well the vision of a pig and a crown is pretty nice it's, it's just a funny yeah. image with that voice coming out of it it's just god and he's he's so used to being a pig now he just kind of loves it uh, he's he used would, to being covered in shit he, he's very used to it bean follows bunty's advice goes to the theater to try to put it on he she then finds out that no women are allowed in the theater as like a mime and a person delivering a bunch of cats for some reason i would assume to kill cats for something i uh, want to be a cat balancing act <laughs> uh but they don't allow her in and that's when she learns the sexist reality of old school theater which is based on the real practice of that women all the parts were played by men back then i thought this was going to be a shakespeare in love parody at first and i'm really oh, yeah. glad that they didn't do that i totally forgot about yeah. that oscar uh, winner i'm really glad uh, well yeah one of harvey weinstein's greatest successes mm. is an oscar campaign uh but yes uh bean isn't so happy to learn this truth women aren't allowed to work in theater i know you must be disappointed bean but what did you expect like war and beauty contest judging, theater is the noble work of men. That's ridiculous. There's no reason women can't do theater. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> What's next? Male cows? <laughs> you know, I myself have been known to tread the boards. Oh, real boards? In my days at Twinkletown University, I was the toast of the annual follies. My fans, stunned by my talent, showered me with homemade bricks and fresh ripe tomatoes. Ah, bygone days. The most glorious time of my life. Ah. Hello. I understand women are prohibited from working in the theater. Yep. How about pigs? Come on in. I must warn you, I am smeared in my own manure. I said, come on in. <laughs> Good joke. Everyone is. is he enters too. Yeah. Yeah. He's really, yeah, uh, he's relishing being a pig. Yeah, he loves it. He loves it now. I mean, I what in the when he returned in the start of part two, he uh, he announces that he's been having sex with other pigs too. So he's mm. he's pretty he's pretty into this pig life now. Uh, <laughs> pig life. I love how he remembers being uh, showered with homemade bricks and fresh ripe tomatoes. Yeah, he's reading that uh, differently than he should. <laughs> and also the another great line: "Like war and beauty contest judging theater is the no." work of men. that could be my line of the show if we had a what a cartoon line of the show yeah <laughs> i do like his like stilted hello like just it's cut off yeah it's really good just he, he wants people to know i'm smearing my own manure it's just it's how which uh, comes back to when in the next scene bean kisses him she's like ew like, yeah <laughs> she tasted the there's it. there's another guy smeared with something in this episode oh in the, yeah in the jittery she's not even sure what that is <laughs> she finds out though that he said the play was his and that uh, he gives her the money for it which it's a good little joke about how entitled lucy is that she's like you can't pay me with me her face is right on the money i do like his sad getting kicked out of the window that's the greatest <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I love that too that he's and also the uh it's a real bender move by Lucy to grab the coin. Oh, yeah, her. and run away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it almost needs a uh, giggling, a John DiMaggio giggling as he leaves. He can't put the uh, coins to his compartment, though. Bender would. <laughs> uh, that's true. He, he lacks a compartment. But yes, as Bean finds out uh, she's got her name taken off of her work, Elfo has some questions. Fortunately, I got them to give me something far more valuable than cash. The starring role. Whoa, you're starring as me? 
My character is the star of the play. I had to make a few adjustments. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> Bean? What? I have a question. Don't throw me out the window. That's not a question. Don't throw me out the window? Also, I have a second question. I could go down to the theater and be your little spy. That's not a question either. I think someone tiny's going out the window. I hate you guys! <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I like the design on her window, too. I, we've been seeing that for a while, but the how it opens in like a jagged pane instead of uh, a straight, you know, square or whatever. Yeah, I do like that. I don't know, like, the shot you see of the castle of Dreamland reminds me a lot of Planet Express, like the CGI shot of, like, rotating around the castle yeah. and then, like, just zooming into it. They're shaped similarly, too. I don't know. I'm just getting a Planet Express vibe from the no. establishing shots. I think you're right. I think you're definitely right. Also, uh, you know, there's a uh, a model of the Planet Express ship in Steamland as well. Oh, you're right. They were really, they're hitting it hard in the, hope, those episodes. Hope Disney doesn't see that. <laughs> the makers of Futurama. Oh, yeah, I guess they are Futurama owners now. Boy, if they were ever hoping to do a crossover, I think they thought they had a friendlier people with Fox than Disney. Yeah. Fox uh, Fox was more ready to work with a Netflix show while Disney is ready to put Netflix out of business is what they intend they're, to do. Yeah, they're trying to destroy it actively. I mean, they should uh, honestly, they should be thinking in the long <laughs> term of like, oh, let them put a Futurama character in there. We'll own it eventually anyway. Yeah. So. But I mean, all of you out there need to decide which corporation do I root for. <laughs> you got to pick, pick your brands and here. And fight online for their honor. It's funny, uh, to, right now I'm wearing a wrestling t-shirt of my favorite billionaire, Tony Khan, who's way better uh, than the billionaire Vince McMahon. I'm wearing a Thimbleweed Park t-shirt my girlfriend drew. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> You're talking about the big bed you sleep in with your wife. I am sorry. <laughs> Merkimer is happy with his ill-gotten credit, which is then instantly stolen from him by the director of the play. Uh, and then it's a, it's a bit of a corny dad joke, but I do like him saying, like, uh, I'm a leading ham. It's uh, I get it's corny, but still. the director Wyman Petty, who does not survive this episode. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he doesn't make as much of a mark as some characters that get killed off. So I love the very Futurama e uh, wordplay where the guy uh, dies because of the lead paint. Oh yeah, and the I've seen this before. Death. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, here let's hear oh, about sorry. the the death of an actor. Action! The poets know a wrote of pleasures so sublime. My glorious kingdom, a feast for my eyes. My glorious bride, a brunch for my soul. For my soul. Q Dagmar. Get a doctor! No! I've seen this before. Death. The <laughs> finest actor of his generation struck down at his first rehearsal. I think maybe it was the lead makeup. That's what you always say. Now take off his clothes and throw his corpse in the alley. Don't forget the wig. <laughs> Woe is me. Who should be my Dagmar now? Wow. I didn't see that coming. That really was the status of actors at this time. It's like not even a pauper's grave for you. We just yeah. throw your corpse into the alley. Your nude corpse into the alley. They're not putting clothes back on him. They're just like, well, we need that costume for the next actor. So chuck him in the alley. Also, that he's. they say that it's his first rehearsal, too. So they just... <laughs> pick somebody it's not surprising they pick elfo who also has no experience to be it uh is that lead makeup a wizard of oz reference as well, well you know what it could be uh buddy epson almost died yes yeah 
the original yeah. Tin Man, right? Yes, and uh, they recast him and got better paint for the the next Tin Man. But yeah, and then but Buddy Epson would go on to his own success yeah. as a, uh, a a rich oil baron. Yes, uh, uh, Jed, Jed Clampett, <laughs> yes. America's hero. But yeah, I really love Elfo's thinking that that's part of the play that the actor dies on stage. <laughs> you know, so then they put up the poster advertising the show, which causes a bit of a stir. I if I had a critique of the plot of this episode, I think there could have been a scene where the theater troupe accepts that they're doing a controversial play or they're like oh we should be speaking truth to power with this controversial Mm. play or whatever because doing a play about the king is asking for trouble that's why like the stories of shakespeare were some one-off character or some line is really him critiquing a you know somebody powerful but through a secondary character so people don't know it but if it's the actual person you're uh, casting then you're getting in trouble it's a a bio play in a way but yeah i think i mean they're they're kind of building towards last episode with these scenes with oddval and the lady priestess whose name i forget where we hear about their secret society and things disrupting a plan Mm -hmm. so maybe they're too focused on that to give us more of the theater troupe which uh, are there other actors in this troupe (laughs) (laughs) there's much more treachery for oddball too in this than than we'd seen before he didn't seem all that antagonistic to Bean until the end of this season like yeah actually so i forgot oddball's name so i looked it up on wikipedia and the entry was like oddball is a a character in disenchantment and one of the primary antagonists i was like antagonist (laughs) so it did spoil the end for me this kind of does build up where we end up with him in the last episode where he's he is partially into this is introducing the stricture the sexism of the world that won't allow bean to be the queen in later episodes uh and so this this kind of sets it up while also showing that avdal is scheming as well yeah i do like the lines of people uh can't read the poster but they like the squiggles uh but avdal thinks it is uh re- it's smut and not even religious smut uh and that nose Secular is touching smut. yeah and nose is touching is a pornographic image for that it's a real grope fest when i listen back to the sounds the woman in the secret society that is tress doing her ma voice from yeah Futurama. it's very close i'd say 20 years younger ma yeah yeah she's got a real dial on the old lady voice <laughs> and also oddball uh he calls back to zog punching him the many times he punches him in the show oh, that's right yeah uh, he's been punched five times today he says so instead uh he sends a messenger which uh, instantly is killed in yeah. uh, I, I like that's a clever game. Yeah, often like a, a shot of a corpse is a punchline. Like <laughs> you're, you're told a joke and then you see a shot of like a head on a pike or a corpse or a dead body. And that's the punchline in this enchantment. Zog is like Bender and Homer together, except he kills three people an episode at the very least. Like it's but it was a different time. Yeah, <laughs> our laws didn't apply. Utterly scandalous. Well, it can't even be called theater. Nothing but made-up hoo-ha to distract peasants from their miserable lives. But that's what religion is for. What it is, is treason. They make a laughingstock of the royal family, the kingdom, and most important, you, your majesty. Me? They're mocking me? What did I ever do? Aside from the yelling and the stabbing and the slapping and the gouging and the name-calling? Absolutely nothing, sire. I want to see it with my own eyes. Where do I see it? The theater, 8 p.m. tonight. The theater? All right, right. but I'm bringing my bow. Good shot, sir. Right in the spleen. Mm -hmm. 
a command performance? Yes. Your next and presumably final show will be attended by the king. He will render judgment as to whether this production is treasonous and then pronounce sentence. Oh, okay, so no big deal. What's the sentence for treason? A couple of light slaps in the bum-bum? Because I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> I think the story about Elfo getting hit on the bum-bum by his father, which was improv, we were told, by uh, Josh Weinstein, I think that was one of the standout moments of part one, so it's referenced a few more times in part two. Yeah, bum-bum has become his catchphrase for Elfo. I mean, it's it's funny that he just, like, that's what he calls his butt, his bum-bum. And that is... And getting a few slaps, <laughs> slaps in the bum-bum. That is the ultimate uh, <laughs> endangerment that he's... I, I like when wussy Elfo comes out, though also, like he said, sometimes they kind of go in and out of like is elfo afraid of a, a small slap on his bum bum or is he someone who has already died and doesn't fear death anymore <laughs> i think he's just traumatized from the the bum bum punishment his dad gave him <laughs> <laughs> but he's been to heaven like that's true did you notice that god i didn't notice this until i looked at the trivia that god has four fingers in this world it's the reverse oh. of the simpsons i actually think everyone in this show has four fingers no no, no. everybody's got five fingers it's a five oh finger oh show. okay that's what you mean okay yeah. yeah so god has four fingers Oh. and everyone else has five okay while on simpsons god has five fingers and they all have four except when they screwed up yes yeah, but, <laughs> but no i didn't notice that at all yeah everyone in the show it does have uh four fingers and a thumb and they actually show god's face well not really but they're, they're not trying to cut around the face of god like they do in the simpsons it's yeah. just a glowing light all voiced by phil lamar which uh i like i like him hanging out with jerry that's really cute but uh jerry got a good end uh but yes uh elfo doesn't realize he's going to die and it pretty much his death is on the way and uh we then get a shot of them preparing Preparing for heading out, Zog is uh, drinking as he's uh, also seeing a tulip, which I think Dagmar or somebody is placing those tulips in mm. his room to drive him crazy. I think I think the season finale kind of confirms she's like hiding in dreamland. Hmm. So Yeah, you're right. You're right, because they fall underground and she's there. Mm -hmm. Interesting, yeah. I did like the joke about the opera glasses. That was funny. It was a really snappy joke. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the pacing, it's a clever idea of like, let me get my opera glasses, it's two glasses of beer, but the pacing of it happens so fast, like if you're given too long to think about it, you think like, well, obviously it doesn't mean real opera glasses. He's going to have a, a drinking glass, right? And so you, uh, the, it's about the speed and execution of it too, which I think they pulled off real well. As the play is about to begin, Bean is sad. This is so frustrating. I've got to be the only writer in the world who has to sit around helplessly while idiots ruin all my hard work. <laughs> then why are we here? You could be around the corner at my bar. Because I love this drink. This bitter bitter drink. <laughs> All right, people, it's that time again. Amateur night. Please give a tepid, jittery welcome to a newcomer. We call her Freckles behind her back. <laughs> My new friend, Bean. What? No way. Do it. 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 Right, shut up. Do <laughs> it. <laughs> there's a guy that guy pops up later the unseen guy who's late to the party on uh what's happening that's like the droopy voice from, yeah uh, from simpsons except, do you mean? Uh, but i god i 
fucking love that line. Like, I have to be the only writer in the world who sits around helplessly as idiots ruin my hard uh, work. Spoken like a TV writer. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that line. And that also they yeah they bring back Lucy's classic do it from the first season. But everybody joins in. It's got to be nice for being like she actually has a community supporting her. Uh, and I like too that Mary thinks that like the setup of the line is you think she's gonna say we call her her freckles as a nickname, except she's like behind her back. Yeah. Call her friend. She knows now. Uh, not that she really listens to anybody else, but that's a really like a good friend kind of thing that Mary is pushing her to get on stage and still finally perform like yeah. she wants to. I wish we would see more of her. I think Bean needs more non weirdo friends. Yeah, and women friends. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I think. Well, what is Lucy at the end of the day? <laughs> her only uh, friends in life are those two, and then uh, the only woman friend she really talks to is Bunty, who is her slave. Yeah, or surf, surf. Not considered a person by Bean probably uh certainly not uh and uh, so then we see zog arrive at the play he's just talking over everything which i love just him god zog is just the rude asshole it's so great and you get to see fip and fap bringing his milk duds i like that too or duds du lait yes the french yeah. milk duds oh man that made me want some uh teeth ripping out milk oh, duds man right if you got now. fillings it's gonna be a big silver party in your mouth uh the, t- the that's the tastiest part of a milk dud is tasting metal inside mm. of it <laughs> Surprise. I liked too when the play begins that you get to see how the background works, like the guys pulling the yeah. levers and moving it around. It's nice to see the lead primitive stage tech. Yeah, yeah. That that shows it reminds me of how in Futurama when they'd want to show how They'd come up with a crazy thing, but they'd also want to show more practicality of how it works. Same here of like, well, yeah, we could just draw the moving waves and the waterfall and everything, but let's show the guys actually moving the pedals and how much work it takes to get it. The star of the play comes up on stage and everybody just laughs at the idea of a talking pig. They're disturbed at first and they're like, oh, a talking pig. It's a real audience of rubes, but the king is there. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, it comes later, but God, the Zog doesn't understand that a pig dressed just like him is supposed to be him. In a play about him. <laughs> that they told him was about him, too. Uh, but before we get to that, we've uh, got quite a big speech from Bean here once she gets on stage. Yeah, I, what I really like is this. Uh, so the animators are just given a very long monologue, but all of her poses are so interesting and, and good and well yeah. done. Oh, yeah. They, they, really, uh, they really met the challenge of being given all this audio. I hate Dreamland. I hate the overflowing plague pits. I hate how when it's the end of the night and you're completely drunk and you've got to stagger home, it's uphill all the way. (laughs) But you know what I don't hate? Most of you. I believe deep down underneath all that dirt and sweat and grease and mud and and whatever is all over you, sir, that you guys are kind and decent. You just do misguided things, like abandoning your babies in the Enchanted Forest. They're not gonna survive. Or like betting on elf versus squirrel wrestling, like to the death. Is that what we really wanna watch? Guys, the squirrel always wins. (laughs) Do you know how much money I've lost just thinking that I'm going to witness the first time that an elf beats a squirrel? It's never going to happen. But we watch it again and again. It's not a fair fight. And you know what else is not fair? The fact that I'm up here on this dinky little stage talking to you, but I can't go across the street to perform the play that I wrote. It's going on right 
now in front of an adoring, sophisticated audience. <laughs> I like the uh, metaphor, uh, the, the futility of life is what, like watching elves wrestle squirrels. Yeah, that, like, that tiny squirrels can overpower most uh, elves. That's why it was so, I honestly felt it was a little silly when they did the elfo badass scene that he's able to kill all those giants. That, that was really weird. Maybe but, squirrels have like advanced elf fighting tactics we yeah. don't know about. Well, though, Elf, uh, Elfo's not pure Elf, so maybe it's uh, mm, he's true. got some unnatural strength from whatever he else he is. Yeah, like you said, the posing, man, It I think really her delivery, Abby's, really reminds me of a lot of her speeches she gave in Broad City. Yeah. And I think they took, uh, the animators took a lot of those poses of like how she's like, I can't go over there and puts her arms to the side to over here. Like, yeah. she... It really punctuates those bits. The, my favorite posing on it is her bits where she's talking, the, the moments where she's talking about how she's on stage there instead of across the yeah. street. I mean, it's a real challenge to be given a minute worth of dialogue and the character can't leave mm-hmm. one area. She has to stay in the same position, basically. Like, how do you move her around in an interesting way? And they did a really good job. And uh, yes, that the cut to everybody booing and they're, they're asking Merkimer if they can show us his teats. Uh, he then resets with pig shrieking, which I will not hurt your ears with it was here. a good shriek <laughs> oh yeah yeah but it's uh, uh i almost wish like well, poor, poor Merkaber, all he wants is a little respect as an actor meanwhile backstage elfo is uh, not in his makeup yet so they very cruelly dip him in a bucket of lead paint uh. though i guess uh, elfo is not allergic to it because he does not die it's a pumpkin uh yeah he gets handed a pumpkin to pretend to be pregnant and he walks out on stage as he shares his scene like a tree in bloom my Love now sprouts anew. Dagmar is pregnant. Love, I am ripe with our blissful union. Witness, my king. Uh, Come on, Dagmar never wore lipstick like that. (laughs) I pray this be a daughter as fair as thou. We shall call her Tearbini, and she shall make a fine princess. (laughs) Or maybe she'll make a nice pie instead. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. That pig with a crown is supposed to be me? <laughs> and for an encore, you're all getting your heads chopped off. <laughs> I don't know if we said this in the first episode of this we did, but uh, there's a bit of Archie Bunker in there. Oh, yeah. I'm sure right, we mentioned yeah. it, but I'm hearing it in uh, For an Encore. Yeah, you're right. That is, uh, it's the same kind of like New Yorky grouch working yeah. class type guy. Yeah, but uh, you know, Merkimer good at improv. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like. He uh, rolled with he, it. He ro- totally rolled with it. Yeah, make a fine pie. The way he looks at the audience too, as uh, as the pumpkin explodes, it's so great that Zog just uh, finally realizes it <laughs> at that moment, uh, and that he kills so easily and doesn't care. As we'll see later, he doesn't give a shit that he kills people. He's not even there for the execution. You think you want to watch? Uh, uh, that, but that's funny that an execution is happening while he has a heart-to-heart reconnection with his daughter, which I think this is the dream of most writers, that your, oh, yeah. your art can connect you with a parent. This is sheer fantasy. Forget yeah. about the elves and the magic. <laughs> if my if my father were to read my writing ever and reflect yeah. upon it, that, that would be more fantastical than a million dragons. Frankly, it's unbelievable. My dad told me there's a reason they call it Dreamland. And for once, he was right. Because whenever I fall asleep, it's nightmares about my evil mom. Turns out, Una was the cool one. 
You never appreciate your lizard stepmom until she becomes a sexy pirate, am I right? <laughs> Remember you all got turned to stone? Yeah, Una did it. No, that was Dagmar. <laughs> yeah, Dagmar said Una did it. Dagmar was a liar. My whole life, I just wanted her to be there, but it turns out the best mothering I ever got was from a fat guy with a red mustache. <laughs> She's whining about her dad. My dad was right. You can't escape your dreams. But when I fall asleep tonight, whatever happens, I'm gonna fight back. I don't. I don't know what the joke is, but I did laugh a lot at the person observing. She's whining about her dad. Yeah, I like that. It. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's an extra joke to it or not, or it's just about a person in the audience going like, "Oh, I know what you're talking about." But that's it's the uh, that's chappy of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> a tweet for the ages. That one. That uh, too. That you get to see that the villagers don't know about the overall narrative of the series. They're like, "Yeah, we all got turned stone." It was, it was Una. She did that. I, I like. I don't know if the writers are commenting like. Like, we have to make you care about this. But even our characters are sort of like, that That happened? Yeah, who is that? I don't remember. Yeah. I, also, it's a, it's a nice journey that Bean goes through in the episode that she starts it afraid of her dreams. And at the end of this, you know, she's got a new resolve that she's she's not going to be scared of her nightmares. She's going to be ready to fight. I like that, too. It's a, it's a heartfelt ending that even with something as, uh, you know, a little sappy as a slow clap from the audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, she reconnects with uh, her father as uh, as beheadings are happening in this happy, headless ending. What are you doing here, Dad? You know, Bean, you're pretty good with words up there on the thing. <laughs> oh, Dad, that doesn't mean much, but it means a lot. You know, this puts me in a good mood. I'm thinking maybe I'll call off the execution. What? I thought we were going to have a happy ending tonight. Oh, man. Hmm? Wait! Don't chop! <laughs> the king has changed his mind! Ah, well, no harm done. Cheer up, Elmo. We have vindication from no less an authority than the king himself. Our show shall go on. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ugh, Dad, don't you hate it that it's uphill all the way home? Yeah. Wow, that guy isn't lucky. <laughs> the you head rolls by. Him. Yeah. Yeah, I did love uh, how Alpha wants to die instead of put on the play. <laughs> I love that. Uh, he All he was doing it, he was only doing the play to be a spy for Bean uh, just because he's a uh, sycophant. And now he's uh, going to be forced to do it again. And yeah, he almost died. I love the, the executioner just like, I know I'm done. Like, yeah. you, you just chopped his head off. We lost that character, though. Who knows yeah. how funny he could have been. It's pretty brutal the director got his head cut off, but... He was a sexist jerk. So, and he did you know. steal all the glory. Yeah, so they made him just a likable enough that you don't feel too bad at his um, incredibly unfair death. <laughs> all because of the the tyranno. I mean, this is definitely an anti-monarchy show. For yeah, sure. it is. Uh, that's just the point of it all. Like, oh, you know, monarchs are bad. They should probably not exist. Fortunately, nothing like that exists nope. now. Nope. In America, nothing impossible I go wrong. <laughs> uh, I like, uh, still, though, they call Elfo Elmo. That's yeah, so nice. Elmo. But, uh, but even they they really have their cake and eat it, too, with having a 
heartfelt reconnection while also a head rolls a head, by. A man the king murdered, his head rolls uh, by. But uh, I, you know, it did get me a little in the, it got me a little verklempt uh, seeing her and her parent connect over the same kind of observation. I like Yeah, I, I do like their reconnection in this season, even if I'm not a fan of the more episode to episode sort of storytelling. I do like the gradual, you know, reunion of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that was a pretty good episode of Disenchantment of a uh, generally pretty good season where I still think they're they're figuring out the kinks of exactly what they want the show to be. Yeah, but, and I think more people should watch it. I'm not seeing a yeah. lot of chat about it. And uh, with the first season, I talked to a lot of people who, they, a lot of people would ask us about it because we do a Simpsons podcast, but I found a lot of people like would watch just the first episode or the first two mm-hmm. and not go from there. I say uh, there's 20 now. And they're real easy to go through. I say watch it if you haven't. Yeah, and uh, you know what? We talked about the the feeling of pressure to watch all things at once. But, you know, now it's it's a couple weeks after the premiere. Take your time with it. Go with it and just enjoy it. I think, too, spoilers don't, like, ruin the show. Either. No. Like, not like uh, with, say, Game of Thrones where you'd say, that character definitely dies or whatever. If you showed me, I mean, I saw what the ending was of season, uh, I saw what the ending was of part two, excuse me. Yes. Back in February, if you if you show that to me before watching this, oh, Bean is tied up at a stake at the end of the season. I would be like, so that means nothing to me. I'll just watch yeah, it. Yeah, just watch and enjoy. It's a great. I I think it's a lot of fun. That is is better on each rewatch. I think once you're not in the binge mindset and you just revisit episodes here and there, the episodes are more fun when you can appreciate them on their own in a more sitcom style. Which is, I mean, maybe that's just the way our brains have been trained with the. Uh, simpson style content we're know? old and these things aren't marketed to us anymore <laughs> that's true that's yeah. true we're out of the we're almost out of that nuts and gum demographic Damn it. Bob. what was it 18 to 30 oh shit did he say 35 i, I thought think. it was 35 mm. 18 to 49. 18 to 49. Wow. So we have quite a bit of time left. Yes. We're, we're all right. Nuts and gum age is 18 to 49. Although we're still safe. That was back in like 1993 or four. The demographics are so precise now. Yeah. But yes, thanks for listening to What a Cartoon. Yes. If you want to support our show and get every podcast one week ahead of time and ad free, please go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons and sign up at the $5 level. For just $5 a month, you'll get that. And you'll also have access to all of our exclusive miniseries, including the upcoming Talking Futurama Season 2. We're not doing parts. Actually, we are. So it's Season 2 yeah, Part 1 are. is coming in October. You want to be there for it, but you'll also have access to the previous three miniseries and so much more. Too many things to list here, but over 100 bonus podcasts. But Henry, we have special extra long podcasts happening at the $10 level, including our longest podcast ever. My God, yes. Yeah. The If you enjoy this What a Cartoon podcast and want to get even more of it for $10 a month, plus all of the stuff Bob just talked about for the $5 a month, folks you want to sign up for the what a cartoon movie podcast ten dollar a month patreon supporters get to hear a different animated feature film be deconstructed once a month back in september we did cowboy bebop knocking on heaven's door aka cowboy bebop the movie four hours and 22 minutes of podcast on that and in october we're keeping the halloween spirit in style with the nightmare before christmas by henry selick mm-hmm. that's who you should always identify with that movie it's folks. henry selick's the nightmare before christmas not tim burton's yes but you want to sign up for ten dollars a month to get access to over 30 hours of podcasting exclusivity at patreon.com slash talking simpsons 
So I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. Find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts, a classic gaming podcast. Find that every Monday and occasionally on Friday at Retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. I think you'll like it if you've ever played a video game. Henry, what about you? You can follow me, Henry Gilbert, on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Anytime new stuff comes out on the Patreon or on our free feeds, I am certain to tweet about it. And you'll know about it first if you follow me at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next week for the 1949 Disney adaptation of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And we will see you then. Scene 2, Zarg and Dagmar, written and directed by Wyman Petty. Wait, you're taking credit? If you're not happy, they're casting for pork chop number two at the butcher shop. Pork chop number two? I'm no common cutlet. I'm a leading ham.